0: It is about time I got this guy on the show. This episode of Podcastification, I'm talking with Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. My name is Kerry Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. Podcastification. And if you like what's going on here on the show, I would appreciate it, oh, so appreciate it, if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can find out how to do that at PodcastFastTrack.com slash review. That's enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. Well, if you have never heard of Dave Jackson, when it comes to the podcasting realm, you are in for a treat today. Dave is such a generous and kind guy. He's funny. He's fun. He's great to have a conversation with. And he's been doing this podcasting thing long before I showed up on the scene. Dave is one of those guys who pioneered some of the initial technologies and ways of doing podcasting. And he's just been so helpful to so many people. In fact, when I first started learning what it meant to podcast and how to actually make it happen, Dave is one of those guys I listened to and I learned from just by listening to his show. He gives away so much great content and he also does podcast coaching through his school of podcasting. So I don't want to waste any more time. I want you to get to meet Dave and hear what he's got to share on this episode. Dave, 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 David Jackson. You're on the Podcastification Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Carrie? I'm doing well. Hey, I have a little a treat for the audience here. I have a clip from your very first School of Podcasting morning... What did you call it? Morning? Yeah, it was
1: called the uh, School of Podcasting's Morning Announcements.
0: Morning Announcements. That's it. Get it? It's the whole school thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you had the actual school bell going on and all that stuff. So here, let me play it, and then I'm going to get your reaction, because you've been at this for quite a while.
1: It's the School of Podcasting's morning announcements. Here's Dave Jackson. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first installment of the School of Podcasting's morning announcements. yeah. One of the things we talk about at the School of Podcasting is your first podcast typically stinks. Yeah, it's usually pretty bad, so I'm going to try to avoid that, but I, I do have a dilemma. Well, first of all, I'm your host, Dave Jackson, sometimes known as Jammin' Dave Jackson, sometimes known as Dean Jackson, Principal Jackson. Take your pick. You can call me Dave, and you can subscribe to this podcast. Yeah, that's way back when. That's a long time ago. That was uh, pre-cell phones with, with, you know, There's a, it's back in the day kind of thing. <laughs> and I, it could so have been it, worse. Yeah. You know, is it accurate to call you the podfather? Could we do that? You no, know, you'll, you'll make a lot of people mad doing that. There's only one podfather. That's Adam Curry, the guy that helped to invent podcasting. Uh, yeah. I've had people call me, the you know, the dean of podcasting because of the school ah, of podcasting. Yeah, but, there yeah. you go. I, don't there know, go. I don't know about that,
0: but uh, I've been doing it a while maybe you could be president emeritus or something like that i don't know <laughs> anyway that is funny well maybe we could call you the pod stepfather or something like that <laughs> i don't i don't know anyway glad to have you on the show dave i just kind of wanted to talk some about your journey you know where you started why you started and what you've seen happen over all these many years that you've been yes. podcasting so let's see you started back in 2000 what 2005 april 2005 was uh, 2005. when i jumped in Wow. I don't think in 2005, I even knew a podcast was a thing.
1: Well, I I just remember I had a friend of mine. He had come back from some sort of big marketing guru thing and I had missed, which again tells you how long ago it was, I'd missed the MySpace boat. And he said, you know how you missed the MySpace boat? And my like, yeah. guy goes, I've seen what's coming down the pike, man. You got to get into this. This will be great for you. And I go, what is it? And he goes, podcasting. And I'm like, what's a podcasting? And I just remember Googling it. And literally there was maybe a page, tops a page and a half of results. There just wasn't anything about it. And when I finally kind of pieces parted one together, I downloaded this software that was called, I think it was iPod or Lemon or something like that. It was later called Juice. And I remember I heard the voice of Adam Curry, the guy from MTV, come out of my speakers. And I was like, well, this is cool. And I, I literally just pieces, like it was you know paper clips and rubber bands and one together. And I just remember when I uploaded my MP3 file, and then I saw it come down into the software, I went... Oh, now I get it, and I just went, "Oh, hmm. this this could be really, really cool." Yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah, so that was back in the days of dial up, right? Just about, yeah. I mean, I, I it's it's uh, not too far from it. There was no iTunes, or there was no podcasting on iTunes. There was no even back then. I think the iPod was was new, and yeah. I had I had this little thing called an iRiver about the size of your thumb, and the fun part of it was. You would basically fire up your software. So in my case, I was using this thing called Juice. It would download all your MP3 files. You would then plug in this little device, which was kind of like plugging in a thumb drive, which probably didn't exist then either. And you would drag these files onto this little player. And then I would take it in my car and I would plug it into my cassette adapter, (laughs) and (laughs) plug it in there and listen to and you'd listen to the you know six or seven podcasts you you had and the the uh, job i had at the time i was a copy repairman so i would listen to all these episodes in the car and then when when you're done you're like "Uh, what do you mean i'm on a podcast so it's it's yeah and then you have to come back and i eventually bought this big giant ipod with like you know 60 gigs of space on it or something like that but even that you you had more room but if you ran out, it was like I gotta go home and sync to my home computer. So that was the biggie. When the when the cell phones came and you know the the podcast app came aboard, it was really easy because now you just find a Wi-Fi spot and download some more and you keep on going. So your friend says, Hey, you can't
0: miss this boat like you missed the other boat. What was it that was such an appeal to you that you decided, yeah, I'm gonna invest the time to learn what this is and actually do it?
1: At the time, I had a newsletter that had a a decent amount of people for musicians, and I could see kind of already, I was doing more or less audio on a website. I had started recording, you want to hear really bad recordings, I was uh, like putting a microphone in front of a speakerphone and interviewing musicians, so it was horrendous sounding. But even that, I would then put it on a website, and even that, I was getting more engagement, because you go from being words on a page to, hey, there's actually a person behind this website. And we're actually getting to hear, you know, these musicians and their tips and things like that. So I knew already the power of audio. And then when I saw how, okay, this would make it super easy to get that audio to people's computers, I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. And I think like everybody else, I have uh, audio of myself with my grandma doing (laughs) W-H-O-M-E Which was uh, into a uh, little cassette deck, and we were playing radio.
0: It's time for the news.
1: And so, I think we've all kind of had that. And even when I was a teenager, I worked in a grocery store. And even if I was like, you know, all right, we need a price check on, you know, Miracle Whip. You know, they were like, man, you should be on the radio. So I've always had that thing. And then my background's in, I'm I'm a musician. So I'm used, I had a bunch of microphones lying around and stuff. So I was just like, hey, let's give this a shot. And then uh, at the time it came about, my background was in electronic engineering, but I fell into training. And so it was weird because I didn't really have a degree in, in training and I had lost my, one of my training jobs and I went to get another job and they're like, well, you don't have a degree in in education. I'm like, I know, but look at my resume. I've been doing it for 10 years and they really didn't care. And I finally talked to a friend of mine that was in HR and they said, yeah, if you want to do training, you, you got to go get another degree. At the ripe old age of 42, I went back to college, which was great because you'd walk in and people would go, oh, are you the teacher? And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm a student. <laughs> so I started the school of podcasting, which is funny because I tell everybody, don't get into podcasting if your goal is to make money quick, because I was like, I need something to keep me in my phone, car insurance, gas, and books. I was lucky enough, I was living with my brother at the time and he's like, look, I'm not going to charge your rent, but you know, you can stay here until you, you get back on your feet. And so the school of podcasting was born and I didn't really know where I was going, but as I was learning how to podcast, I was making tutorials based again on my training background, on how to how to set up a RS feed and all the other fun filled stuff. So that's that's kind of how it was born out of like I need money now. And of course that's <laughs> it, like everybody else that that doesn't work. You've got to take some time to to build your audience and then you monetize your audience. And those people that come to me and go yeah I want to quit my job and and do this in six weeks. I'm like yeah that's not gonna not gonna happen.
0: Yeah, no, well let's let's talk about that because I hear many questions from clients from people who are potential clients about, you know, best launch strategy, best new and noteworthy strategy, best way to get your audience built in a quick amount of time. I haven't found that magic potion. Have you?
1: No. And what I really hate to see is I see a lot of people that put all their eggs in the new and noteworthy basket you know if i just do all this and i've got my magic eight weeks of unicorns and everything else will happen and it just i even bought a domain if you go to new and where i've got i've taken from interviews from other people that like for one uh lc escobar from libsyn was they were on the not in new and noteworthy they were on the front page of itunes like you can't get any more front and center and you would think they got three, five, 10,000 downloads. They got hundreds, you know, maybe a hundred. They said maybe 200 after being up there for a couple of weeks. So it's not this giant fire hose. It's just going to send, you know, you massive traffic. And so I see everybody, I've, I've heard of people that actually go through all the trouble of setting up a podcast and they've started to get a little bit of steam and their magic eight weeks is over and they'll actually go back and. Like, restart the whole process over again because they didn't get into new and noteworthy. And I'm like, really, it's not gonna, it's not the giant light switch that you think it is. So I always find that sad that people will just abandon where they're at and and turn around. And the people that I talk to that are really making headway. They've, you know, they've got sponsorship or whatever it is you're trying to do. You're reaching, you're you're really engaged with your audience. It's usually somewhere between one and three years. I, I, for me, at least the people I'm talking to, three years really seems to be where people are like, wow, this is great. I, you know, they've really got momentum and it's really growing on their own. But that first year is is the brutal one because you're you're kind of tapping your microphone going, Is this thing on? Is anybody listening? And I'm not getting any feedback. It, I always say we want our podcast to be a Ferrari. Who doesn't? We all want a bigger audience. There's nothing wrong with that. But I always say it's to me, I think it's more like a locomotive. The the old trains with the, the whistle. And if you think about it, those things start really, really slow but once they get going, that's the reason there's a cow catcher in the front of that thing, because you can't stop it. I think podcasts are a little more like a, a locomotive than a Ferrari. They don't come out of the gate doing ninety plus. They they it takes a while to get going, but once they get going, you know, it's awesome. As I'm thinking
0: about what you're saying, I've only had one or two people that I know of whose story is different than that out of the, I don't know, maybe up to a hundred people I've worked with now in launching or you know, managing a podcast. And those two had some very unique situations that were a part of their story. One was, it was the niche he was in and the timing with which he started talking about the niche. And that niche was Amazon private label sales, you know, and he got into it just as that whole thing started. He began podcasting in a very genuine way, just telling his story, telling what he was doing, talking about the new news from Amazon, all that. And he, within 13, 14 months was up to probably 6,000 downloads per episode. It's pretty amazing, but that's not the normal. The other one was a woman who already had 25,000 people on her mailing list, and she had over 1,000 downloads her first day that she started her podcast. But again, she got 25,000 people she's telling about it who already like her content. To me, those are the – if there is a magic formula, that's the magic formula. You have to have a following already that you're drawing from.
1: And you have to be able to go find your audience. I think one of my favorite examples was, she doesn't do it anymore. Her name's Kathy Kelly. She did a show called Special Mouse. Her son had uh, autism, and she loved Disney. Disney. And so she did a show about how to take people with special needs to an amusement park, hence the name Special Mouse. And she didn't have a giant audience, but the people that found it were like, oh, my gosh, I thought I was the only person that was going through this scenario. And she actually ended up getting a sponsor because there was somebody in Florida that specialized in transporting people with special needs. And they're like, oh, that guy looked at her and said, oh, what, you have my target audience. So even though she didn't have this giant 10,000 downloads per episode, she was still able to find a sponsor because she found somebody who fit her niche. And I think that leads into another
0: way of reframing this in our own minds, because I think a lot of this is mental. You may be discouraged, you know, to think, oh, I'm only getting 100 downloads an episode. But let's reframe that. Say you were in a room in your local library and 100 people showed up to hear you talk for 45 minutes. That sounds a lot different. Oh yeah, that, that, fe- that feels significant. Well, that's what's happening.
1: Yeah, I always say my my backgrounds in training, and for me, a, a big class was twenty people to hold people's attention and and make sure they were going to understand what you're talking about. Twenty is a, a pretty full class, and so when I hear somebody say, "Oh, I've only got a hundred downloads," I'm like, "Number one, I think back to the old building I used to teach in. That'd be the whole floor, five classrooms of twenty people. That in a day of Netflix and AMFM and Sirius satellite and." you know, everything else on demand, they've chosen to listen to you because there is no spam in podcasting. The only reason they're listening is because they click play because they found you. So I always kind of cringe when I hear the word only. I'm all, I've am i only got 60 downloads or I've only got 50. I'm like, that's two classrooms.
0: Yeah, it's pretty significant. and And those are people that have self-selected. Yep. You know, they've picked you. I mean, that's significant. What do you tell people when they show up to your school of podcasting or they're talking about signing up for your coaching and things and they say things like, you know, I want to hit it big in six weeks or in two months, I want to have this thing, you know, at the top of iTunes rankings. I mean, what what do you say to them? Because you and I both know that's that's typically not possible.
1: I point out the fact that in a way, podcasting is the entertainment industry. Yes, people use it to educate and inform and things like that. But in the end, there's a little bit of entertainment involved. And I'm like, so you have kind of the same, what's the word here? You, you, the, the same chance of making it big as a musician. And maybe it's my background in music. You know, everybody wants to move to Nashville and get signed or LA or whatever and, you know, be big. And, and that's not to say that you can't. But in the end, you know, you have to have some stars aligned for that. And like you mentioned earlier, if you come with a pre-made audience, that's great. In fact, there are a lot of people that are, are, especially now with the ESPN laying off a bunch of people, all those people are coming to podcasting. So they've already got an audience built in and that's great. And so I always just tell them, it's, I always say, maybe I'm the worst Salesman for podcasting because I tend to tell it like it is, you know, I, I was doing this presentation at Kent State University here in Ohio for local business people and they were all fired up. And then I get to this this slide. And I go, you know, if you're going to do everything yourself, you're looking at about a four to one ratio. So if you want to do an hour long podcast, it's going to take you about four hours by the time you figure out what you're going to talk about, record it, edit it, and then publish it. And that's where you come in. Of course you take the time suck out, but if you're not taking the time suck out, it's a four to one ratio. And they all went, Ooh, Oh, well, hold on a second. So yeah. that's always kind of an eye opener too, that I think people think, Oh, I just talk into a microphone and I become famous. Yeah, no, doesn't work that way. Another great tool, too, is, you know, iTunes is, it's the big gorilla in the the room. It's got probably anywhere from 60 to 80% of the downloads. And I always say, but in the end, it's a phone book. Really, that's all it is. It's a phone book. And I'm in the phone book in Ohio, but- what, What's a phone book? Yeah, for those of us that remember, big <laughs> yellow things they would drive. The last time I got one, I'm like, wow, they still make these?
0: Yeah, they threw one in my driveway just two weeks ago, and I was shocked. I just couldn't believe we even had one.
1: Well, it really is. It's- That's really what's changed. You used to have the big phone book and you would go through and you would get your kid's school number and the local pizza people and and everybody else and Aunt Martha and Uncle Bill and you would put them into this local little itty bitty book that you stuck in the drawer by the phone. It's the same thing. You get this big, huge phone book of iTunes with hundreds of thousands of podcasts in them and you make your own little local phone book on your phone using the podcast app or Overcast or whatever you're using. It's the same theory. We all just have our own little phone books now of the things that just that we need.
0: Yeah, the things that are of interest to us and, yeah. and are, are the things we want to learn. So, I mean, we kind of beat this horse to death. I mean, you've, you've got to be able to put in the work. You've got to be willing to devote the time to make a good show, which brings me to one of your more recent School of Podcasting episodes. You were on the Soapbox for a while talking about quality and you were using a comedian as an example of that from his book. Why don't you give us a little, a little snapshot
1: of that? Yeah, there, there are two comedians that that got me on this kick. One was I watched a master class with Steve Martin. Now I grew up uh, in the in the late '70s, and Steve Martin was huge, and the wild and crazy guy, and the arrow in the head, and all that stuff. So I I tuned in just because I was a huge fan. And he said there are so many people in comedy they come up to him and they're like, "How do I get a manager? How do I get an agent? How do I get this stuff?" And he goes, "And nobody's asking me how do I get good because it doesn't matter if you get an agent and a manager if you aren't." packing people in the clubs, there's nothing to manage. There's nothing to – there's no jobs to get. And so I read this book by Kevin Hart, who's another comedian. And to say he had a hard life is the world's biggest understatement. And he just – every time he got a setback, he was like, all right – I'm just going to go back and work on being the best comic I can be. And then he'd get like a TV show. And at the literally the last minute, they would pull out the rug from underneath of him. And most people would just cry and moan and they'd quit. Probably. I know I would have quit. And he's like, all right, well, I'm just going to go back and I'm going to become such a big comic that they have to put me in the movie and they have to put me in a TV show. And of course, now every time you turn around, there's a Kevin Hart movie, but the big thing there was a, was his complete obsession with being the best kind of comic he could. And a lot of that was pulling stories out of his life. He actually has a pretty funny life. His father was just a complete character. So that was part of it, making it very personal. So people, when you go to see his concert, you kind of, yes, you're laughing, but you're also getting to know him, and that creates that relationship with his audience. So they want to come back and support you now because they feel like they know you. And then it's just, how how good can I get? And then promoting yourself towards the end of the book, he talks about how he started getting into social media and using that to get the word out. But in the end, I think we all, and I I try not to be guilty of this myself, we have an idea what we think is good. And I think we all need to to think about creating what I would call is a focus group. If you can find four or five people that you think of your target audience, not named mom or uncle Mary or uncle Mary, this is a new <laughs> one. Here. Yes. I must say the wine is quite delightful. <laughs> you know, somebody not named mom. To give you some honest feedback, not to just tear you apart, but say, "Hey, here's what I'm doing good. Here's what I think you know you might think about, you know, not doing or things like that." Because any business, before they build a product, the first thing they do is, you know, get some of their target audience in there. I was just watching uh, the Profit on CNBC, and there was a company doing bathing suits, and same thing. This designer did all these great designs, and they're all floral patterns and all this other wild stuff on it then they said, okay, who's your target audience? And they, they brought in a bunch of their target audience. And their target audience went, I'd never wear that. And so they went back to the drawing board and asked them, well, what would you wear? And they, they why well, like this and I like that. And they brought out some examples. Oh, that's beautiful. And yeah. I think we need to do that a little bit is, is maybe find some people who aren't afraid. You know, I always say, if you could just listen to my podcast and talk about it like I'm not in the room. Hmm. And then be willing to... Kind of step back and go, hmm, you know what? Maybe they do have a point. Maybe I should have moved that to the end of the show or, or maybe I should get to the meat and potatoes sooner or maybe my audio isn't as good as I thought it was, things like that. And I, I'm not sure we're, we're willing to do that. That's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. But in the end, if you have a long-term goal of, you know, I really want this to be good and I really want to connect, you know, most really good ideas. And I, I mentioned earlier, the people that had been doing it a year or three years. Those people had changed their format and mixed things around based on feedback from their audience. I don't know that most people are gonna come out of the gate doing it hundred percent perfect.
0: No, I sure didn't. Absolutely not. And and you know, you get all these dreams of grandeur in your head about how it's gonna sound and the great way people are gonna respond. And, you know, like you're saying, you have to iterate. You have to tweak, you have to find what your
1: audience likes. And that means it might be scary. I started something this year where I said I'm gonna try something with my audience. And I gave them every month, I give them a new question that they have to answer. Uh, so, like this, this month's question is how many strikes do you give somebody before you unsubscribe, or how many listens do you? Give somebody before you go, no, no, I'm not going to subscribe. So kind of how many strikes do you give somebody? That's this much question. And the first time I did this, I said, you know, you're going to have a lot of egg on your face if nobody replies to this. And I was very lucky that my, my audience was responsive and they've been really good at every month. They're kind of going in that, And I do that because I also promote their show. And kind of give them a little nudge, but there was one of those things. I'm like, I'm going to do this, and this could really blow up in my face. So I think sometimes trying new things, you have to have a little bit of courage. And if it doesn't work, it's not really a failure. You just know, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the point being in all of this, you know, concentrate on making a good show first yeah. before you concentrate on getting a huge audience. I mean, I've got some new clients. They've they've actually got a pretty good idea for a show, but their questions have all been. About how to get a big audience. And I, you know, and they asked the new and noteworthy question, all that sort of stuff. And I said, I said, here's the thing if you concentrate on getting to new and noteworthy, you might get there. But if you concentrate on being really, really good, it might not matter if you get there. Right. Because your show's good and your audience loves it. So I think we've probably beat that horse to death. But that's, I mean, that's a huge thing. Well, it's just massive.
1: Can I beat it one more time?
0: Go ahead. I hear it whinnying right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of winning, uh, it's a great example from, uh, Rob Walsh, who you've had on the show many times. And he talks about the movie, The Lone Ranger. And I remember when that came out. It was the one with Johnny Depp. They were the, the, the happy meals were ready to go and all the, the figurines and the, you know, Lone Ranger hats and you know, guns and toys, everything was ready to go except for one thing. And that was that movie was horrible. And so in some cases, it doesn't matter how much you promote yourself. In the end, if your show isn't good, if the movie isn't any good, all you're going to do is let the world know sooner not to listen to your show. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: just, yeah. You, and keep you know, going. I, th- I think case in point for that, you know, that movie was nothing more than just an excuse to put Johnny Depp's bizarreness on stage. And the thing that proves that to me is that he wasn't even the Lone Ranger. Right. You know, he he was the secondary character, and yet nobody remembers the main actor's name. No,
1: I don't. <laughs> I, just, I don't. I don't. It's the, I, it's the other it's guy.
0: A, yeah, it's that Johnny Depp movie that didn't work. You know, that's how we know it. So anyway, yeah, focus on making your show great. There's a great book recommendation I can make. A guy named Cal Newport borrowed Steve Martin's line, uh, So Good They Can't Ignore You. And he wrote a book by that title. And it's an incredible study of how people come into their mastery. And the journey that they go on, and it's kind of an anti-follow-your-passion kind of a book, not in a way of saying that's that's altogether evil, but it is saying if you start there, you're probably going to have a harder time finding your passion than if you just concentrate on being good at whatever you're doing. Doors just tend to open up then that lead to your passion. So anyway, great book. If you haven't read it, it's definitely worth the time. He's written a new one now that I can't remember what it's called, but I plan to get it too real soon. Nice. So Dave, uh, tell us some uh some of the your most bizarre podcasting experiences either with with clients or guests on your show or you know, things that you never would have saw that coming.
1: This one always makes me scratch my head. I've met people and they'll come up to me and they're like, "Oh, you're Dave Jackson." I'm like, yeah. "And they're like, "Oh, why? I listen to your show." I'm like, "Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that." And they'll go, "You sound shorter." And I'm not sure how <laughs> How, what that means? Like, okay. uh, Oh my, does that
0: mean you've got a squeaky mouse voice or something? I don't know.
1: I don't know what that means. We're talking about making a show good. I've had people that come up with an idea for a show and then they'll have a goal for their show and the two are completely not related at all. So I'm going to interview other entrepreneurs about business. Great. What's the overall goal of your show? Oh, well, I want to promote these figurines that I make. And you're like, what? And you're like, okay, it's a business, maybe, or something like that. There's two unrelated things. So, and, and that's sometimes where you might have a great show, but because your goal, like the overall goal of what you want to do with the audience that you build, you know, it's one of those things where if they're not in alignment, then you're going to end up quitting because even though the show is good, your goals are not good. And then the other, probably the weirdest thing I've ever been hired to do. And I remember when she approached me with this, I'm like, are you sure? And now,
0: this is a family show, Dave. Can and, uh, you tell this? Oh, yeah,
1: I can tell this. It was, okay, okay. And that was, I was hired to do the voiceover and all the production. They would just provide me with the topic and I would talk about it. And it was the history of makeup. And and actually, this is a great example of not having things in alignment. So I would do the history of makeup. And it was all about, you know, back in the days of Egypt, they would rub Coal and something together and you would put it on your eye and in some cases it would make you go blind all this weird history of makeup stuff and the goal of it was to get the name of this health spa in front of people where you could come and you know get beauty treatments so I kind of get it but it was just and I said are you sure. You don't want me to work with somebody who's a female. I said, I see a female doing this because I personally don't wear a lot of makeup. And uh, I said, it might be better. And they're like, no, 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 we, want, we like your voice. And I'm like, okay. And so oh, wow. it, it wasn't great content. I didn't really, you know, aside from the couple that were like, yeah, if you put this on your skin, it burns you and things like that. And I'm like, but who is going to do that? I don't think Revlon is putting out any, you know, makeup that's going to make you go blind. So it was just very weird. And it lasted about, I would say, six or seven episodes before she said, yeah, I'm not really getting the returns I thought I was going to. And I, the whole time I was very politely saying, I don't think this is very good. I don't think this is yeah. going to resonate with your target audience. I guess that's the polite way you say it. I, I don't think this is going to resonate with your target audience. So that was one that I, I scratched my head on and went, "Yeah."
0: That brings up a related point that we were talking about just a little while ago, and that is, you know, in seven weeks, she's saying this isn't getting the return I was wanting. Well, you can't expect it in seven weeks. I mean, in seven weeks of starting this particular podcast that we're on right now, I was having like 12 downloads per episode in seven weeks. I mean, if you expect greater than that, you're expecting the wrong thing.
1: I agree with that, and I think sometimes that has to do with kind of our microwave mentality. We're we're so used to get movies on demand, uh, music on demand. You know, the minute a, a movie is out of the theater, it's about two weeks, and it's in Redbox, so you can kind of get it there. and And so I think we're we're kind of slowly turning into an impatient society. And so when you 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 take the time and you create this great show, and it really is good, and it's going to resonate well. The fun part is now you've got to go find your audience, make friends with them and say, oh, by the way, I have a podcast. So they'll tell their friends and then they'll tell their friends. And that's where that locomotive gets going. But building the podcast is really kind of part one. Promoting the podcast is is part two. Yeah, totally. I think you do
0: very well at that promoting piece
1: in terms of
0: getting to hang out where your audience is and being helpful. And and I was going to ask you to speak about that a little bit because you do it really well. I see you on Facebook and various groups. I see you posting on Twitter here and there, you know, just various resources and people have come to know Dave Jackson as one of those podcasting guys. And I'm sure you get many clients from that. So talk to us a little bit about that, about hanging out with your audience getting to know them, being real, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I always say for the the kind of steps that I take to grow my audience is, number one, figure out who they are. And if you say, oh, I want to, everybody's going to listen to my show. Okay, step one is already wrong because if you try to be everything to everybody, you're going to be nothing to, to everyone kind of <laughs> type thing. So know who your audience is, then figure out where they are. And if you can see them in person, that's even better. Danny Pena is a, a famous guy that does a you know video game show. And he would go when a big game would be released and they'd have like a midnight madness sale and come get the, the game before the day it's actually released. He would go and hand out business cards to people in line and say, Oh, I do a show that you might like. So he went to where his audience was, knew who they were. And then step three is make friends with them. And everybody wants to skip this step because step four is tell them about your podcast. So everybody wants to figure out who your audience is, Go where they are and tell them about your podcast. And I've done that. I did that. I walked into a a forum, again, back in the day before Facebook groups, there was a a forum and it was ex-DJs. And I was like, oh, I have found the motherlode. This is my target audience, people that know how to talk into a microphone. And I walked in, I said, hey, I'm Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. You should check out my podcast. I can help you podcast. And I mean, instantly I was banned for spamming people. So you have to come in and... Just bring value to any conversation that is going on. Then once they know you and they go, oh, this guy seems to know what he's talking about. Then you say, oh, yeah, I I mentioned this on a podcast a couple weeks ago. And when you can do that, then they'll actually go listen because they seem to think you know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. And they have a need that you're trying to help meet. So, yeah, it it comes across as generosity then. Yeah. Rather than you know, and helpfulness.
1: And then the other thing you're doing is you're listening. Mark Marin at Podcast Movement, somebody asked him, they said, why wow, you're such a great interviewer, what's the key to that? And he goes, oh, it's easy, listen. And I think sometimes we're so used to kind of thinking about what can I say, what can I say? Well, what you're saying should be based on what you heard your audience wants to hear. And I think sometimes we kind of get focused too much on us and not so much on them. And it really is your your podcast is about them. It's not about you. Absolutely. And, and it's just a matter of lather, rinse, repeat. You know, figure out who, figure out who your audience is. Go to where they are. Make friends. Tell them about your podcast. Listen to what they want to hear, and then keep going. Yeah. And
0: I think that make friends part is so vital because of what you said about how we want to jump to that thing of promoting. Instead of making friends, because making friends is hard, you know, it takes time. And the example I give to my clients quite often is, you know, we all knew that kid in fourth grade who was always saying, hey, look at what I did. Look, I can jump high. I can run fast. Look, I have new shoes. Look, my my, my daddy's doing, you know, we all knew that kid and we didn't want to be around that kid. And that's who we are when we go into the forums and say, look at my (laughs) podcast, listen to my podcast, subscribe to my podcast. That's we're being that kid. You mean you can't
1: jump higher with new shoes?
0: (laughs) Well, my my four-year-old grandson still thinks you can, so I'm not telling him otherwise.
1: Right. That's funny. I think everybody does know that
0: guy. That's a great example. There was a kid in every neighborhood who was like that, and and nobody liked him. And there's a good reason for that. (laughs) He's not making friends. He's just being self-centered. Yeah. And we just can't do that to people. You know, There is a reason it's called social
1: media when I was a musician, there was one saxophonist for hire and everybody knew him. So if you ever needed a saxophone, you knew who to call, but most people didn't want to call him. He was actually a really talented musician, but it was just, that was his personality. I mean, if you met this guy for two seconds, he was sticking a business card in your hand and it was kind of like, what, who are you? I don't, I'm not even a band. Oh, well here, if you know anybody, I'm available for hire. It was kind of like, wow, what a weird first impression. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know. That's, that's an
0: immediate turnoff to me. You know, I learned that the hard way on the internet because for some reason, the barrier of the computer screen makes us feel like that's okay. I don't know why that is, but it's it's not okay.
1: It's- I had somebody ask me, how do I go about getting the names and email addresses of my audience last week? And I'm like, there's, there's no hosting company on the planet that will give you that. You're going to have to get that through some sort of form or a survey, something like that, but it's not going to come automatically. And they were like, "Oh, because my whole goal is to just you know they, they were ready with the fire hose to promote their products." And I am like, "Yeah, you got to build that audience and gain their trust first before you can start promoting your your stuff." But they were that was their step one was how do I get their email address? And I am like, mm, "Not sure that's going to work."
0: Yeah, well, I think it'll work if you use that email address in the right way to build the relationship and, and start a conversation. I am on a mailing list of one life coach. I do some coaching and stuff like that on the side as well. And I learned so much from him. He sends out a daily email and very seldom is it selling anything. It's always conversational asking you what your opinion on the subject is, you know, this and that. And you feel like, you know, the guy after a while and you feel like he knows you because when you reply, he replies back. That's the purpose,
1: see, that's the of key email list. And, yeah. and think about it if he said, "Hey, I just read this book. It's really, really good. You should check it out. Are you not going to tell me you're going to go click on that and and read it?"
0: Yeah, I'm at least going to look at the book and see yeah. if it's something I think I could use right now, yeah, you know, I respect it. Well Dave, this has been great. I don't want to keep you too long. I'm curious, you know, what's something you are real jazzed about right now in your business, your life, whatever, that the podcastification audience could help you with or maybe would benefit from?
1: Boy, jazz. I'm just jazzed that, that podcasting is just growing. It keeps growing. and Granted, it's not growing as fast as we want. I'm kind of excited that that Apple has, has dipped their toe a little deeper into the podcasting pool. I think that's going to be a fun kind of... Um, scenario to roll out? Because by the end of the year, we're going to be able to see how far people are listening. And when we're talking about, is your show good? That's going to be fun. Because yeah. I, I think it's like, I, I wish I knew how far people were listening. Maybe you don't. because uh, Yeah. That, that could be an eye opener.
0: Yeah. I mean, if listeners aren't aware of what Dave's talking about, Apple announced this past week that they're going to be rolling that that out through their software apps. So through the the Apple podcast app and things like that, you'd be able to tell how far into an episode your listeners are actually listening. So similar to what YouTube does right now, where you can go into your stats and see how far somebody watched, it'll be similar to that on on podcasts. And I'm with you, Dave. I think people who are all jazzed about getting sponsors, say I get 7,000 downloads per episode, they're going to find it harder to find a sponsor in some cases (laughs) because they might get 7,000 downloads, but only 400 of those are actually being listened all the way through.
1: All the way through. So I'm, I'm jazzed about that. And just, you know, every time I turn around, I, I just watched a movie, oh, something like Office Christmas Party or something like that. And they talked about podcasting twice in there. Jimmy Fallon talks about podcasting. He had the guy from S Town on his show. So it just seems like it's getting more and more and more mainstream. So I'm just jazzed to keep seeing it grow.
0: Yeah. Me too.
1: So Dave, schoolofpodcasting.com,
0: is that your home? That is me. That's where you can find me. So, Dave, I appreciate all you've done for podcasting. I think you were one of the first people I ever listened to when I was trying to figure out how to do this podcast thing. And I had a little bit of radio background, so I had the tech stuff down fairly well. And I came into it just at that time where it was fairly easy to do. It didn't require RSS enclosures and all that kind of stuff, at least on my end of it. You know, I could just upload and go. And you've taught me a lot, and I have. I I know you've taught. So many people a lot. If you guys listening have not listened to Dave's show, man, great stuff. And Dave is just who you hear on this show. He's an everyday guy. He likes talking about this stuff and teaching people how to do it. So go over there and check him out. Dave, thanks for being on the show.
1: Oh, thanks, Kerry. Thank you very much. Hello.
0: So now, you know, the Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. I just loved that conversation. Dave is such a fun guy to talk with. I mean, he's got great illustrations. He thinks of things just real quickly off the cuff. He's he's just a great guy. So go over and check out his show at schoolofpodcasting.com. If you find yourself in need of someone to kind of coach you along, well Dave is the podcast coach. And he's one of those guys that I trust and that I think has some great things to tell people and to walk people through. So You heard a bit of it on this episode. I encourage you to go over there and check it out. And between Dave and I, you know, I think you'll be good. You should be rolling. So that's it for this episode of podcastification. You know what time it is. It's time to go out and make it a podcastificating day. This show is brought to you by Podcast Fast Track, where my team provides professional podcasting services, Without the time suck, full production, editing, and show notes all in one monthly subscription package. You can find out more at PodcastFastTrack.com. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day. Audio editing and show notes by PodcastFastTrack.com. Get 15% off your first month by mentioning this
1: show. And this might be an edit point, Carrie, but I don't hear you anymore.
0: Yeah, I muted myself. Okay, good. I was like, wow, I okay. I was just making sure you're still- Yeah, I, I muted myself so that I could sniffle and take a drink. So ah, yeah, excellent. edit point.
1: Okay, sorry no. about that. <laughs> um, so- uh